Welcome to Unconditional Love with Bishop Malcolm Smith. This is webinar episode 101, recorded June 11, 2013, Loving Kindness Factor. The Lord be with you, and tonight I want to continue looking at that word, loving kindness, that we looked at last week. I wanted to say a little more about it and especially how that works out in our life because um, it would be true to say that this one word, loving kindness, and in the New Testament, incidentally, it's translated as mercy, which might open up a whole lot of the New Testament to you. Um, But this word, loving kindness, it could be understood as that window which opens out into the full life that the New Testament describes as being ours in Jesus Christ. And this further look at that word and what it means and does in our life, in Psalm number 26, it was a time In David's life, we know little about it except to say that he was being accused, wrongly accused, slandered, and so he is asking God to examine his life. Is there any truth to what is being said? Uh, and, And in it, he then lays before the Lord his life of faith and Right at the heart of that is what I want to get at, which is in verse 3. He says, For your loving kindness is before my eyes. I, I, I found that when I was reading the other day, uh, it, it leaped out at me. In, in, it's words that we would not often use in today's world. Your loving kindness is before my eyes. Um, Put put that on hold for a minute, because I want to look again and expand on what I said last week about loving kindness, because it's so imperative that we understand what this word means. And, And that's what this verse is all about. It's loving kindness that is before his eyes. And that appears to be, from this psalm, one of the central keys to the life of David. And David is described as a man after God's own heart. So I'm fascinated with how this man lived and what what was the inspiration of his faith, what were his roots. Loving kindness, that's what it is. Okay, this word, let me say it again. This word arises from um, and also describes a covenant relationship. And I'm not going to go into that again, except to say that covenant means that one gives oneself to another, and in giving it is unto death. And therefore, whenever such a covenant is made, In Bible days, there was the shedding of blood, which which was the declaration that I will shed my blood even to death in order to fulfill my love desires toward you. And, And the working out of that in life, what that looked like in life, that that relationship, which is a binding relationship, which united two persons, two parties together. This is called loving kindness. You see, the the word love, I mean, it's an excellent word. God is love. Our problem, and one would think it would be also a problem back in, in Bible days in other nations apart from Israel, Uh, The problem was love can be interpreted as a feeling, the the feeling that one might have for a period of time for another person. And and, uh, that love feeling uh, 
uh, can be a whim. It, it can be here today and gone tomorrow. At best, it's fickle. It, it's, it's that which ebbs and flows like the tides of the sea. And, and so, so people say, you know, with sheep eyes and, and that, that whole demeanor that they've fallen in love. Well, that, that's not what the Bible means when it says love. Uh, God's love has feelings, feelings to the nth and extreme degree, but that's not primary. The primary, the undergirding nature of God's love is covenant, that he does not just have a, a whimsical feeling about you and gets all fuzzy feelings about you that pass overnight. No, no. God's love is rooted in covenant, which he says through the blood of Jesus Christ, who, who is God, God going to death in order to lay hold upon us and bring us into the Holy Trinity family. It is God saying, I love you even unto death. It is God refusing to be God without you. It is God saying, I would rather die than be without you, you see. It, it, it is, it begins, shall I say, with the deep-seated fixedness of the will. It is the choice that is settled and fixed unto death. So when God says, I love you, we must not think primarily of feelings. He, he does. He delights over us. He describes himself as singing for joy over us. And, and there's much more that he, he rejoices over us, um, which, of course, is a word that incorporates dancing. And so God dances for joy over you. But underneath that is his fixed choice. He has given himself to you. His love says, I will never leave you nor forsake you even unto death. That's loving kindness. That's loving kindness. It is love that will not leave us. It is love that has arrived at the point where, as Jesus said, I in you and you in me. It's not looking across the room and, and you know, with, with bluebirds around my head saying, I love you. This is final union. This is bondedness. And I, I suppose, as I think I might have said before, the nearest we can come to this idea of covenant and loving kindness is in the wedding vows as practiced in, in most churches. Because what you have there, and again, words, words, um, that the kind of love that we are trying to express in the vows of a wedding, they are devoted love. Because we are saying that we will stand with this other person. We will be in union with them for better, for worse, for rich, for poor, for sickness, health. Meaning whatever life throws at us, we from this moment on are bound together as one. And we top it off with covenant words which says, until death do us part. It's, it's a devotion. It's a committed. It's, it's not the feeling level where this begins. The feelings express, but this begins in the heart of commitment, and it is so, uh, what, it, it has such a nature, it demands witnesses, so we don't get married in private, there, there are witnesses, however many they be, few or many, but there are witnesses to this solemn oath that we take to one another before God and in the name of God. And so it's a committed relationship, a union, a bond. 
Yet at the same time, that solemnity is caught up in the delight and the wonder that one has in the in joy in the beloved. That's the love of God toward you. Please understand that. So, um, it's it's not a legal note. I don't want to go that. It, it's it's not a legal thing. Because love is never legal. Love always delights. Love always joys. But it is love that chooses to be obligated. Do you you understand me? This is love choosing to place itself under certain obligations. by, By the joy of love choosing now to be obligated, to be bound for life. Oh, please understand me. This is what God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit has done for you. This is, when I say God loves you, this is what I mean. He has bound himself to you in the incarnation that he joined us in our humanity, in our human flesh, and then shed his blood in death in order to carry us out of death and carry us to the Father. That's love. See, it it says, John 3.16, and many people miss this, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Love is defined there. This is what love looks like. It looks like God giving his very self. That's what it is. It's, it's this devoted. So we, we never use the idea, let alone the term, of God falls in love with us. No, please, scrap that. If it's ever been in your mind, erase it. We're not speaking here of God being overwhelmed by emotion. What we are speaking of is can, can I even speak of it? The vow of God? And as Hebrews points out, that when we make a vow, we call upon God to be the witness. But when God makes a vow, who, who does he call upon? Upon himself. And God then is saying that if he does not keep his word, that God will cease to exist. This is his love. This is the surety, the certainty of his love towards you. God says, if I go, if I go back on that, if, if I ever cease to love, I would not exist. All would fall into nothingness. So, so when God says, I love you, this loving kindness, covenant love... He's saying, I am with you through hell and high water. When you pass through the fire, I will be with you. When you are assailed and assaulted, I am your shield. I'll never leave you, never forsake you. This is God's love towards you. And so when we say it's not primarily feeling Though I must say again, never, I mean, feelings to the infinite, but it's bound in this, this act of the heart, will, purpose, intention of God. But also then, uh, it, God doesn't just have feelings about us. Uh, his love is not a sort of divine disposition. that He sort of feels nice when he looks at you. No, the word loving kindness is a word that demands action. You don't think loving kindness. You don't feel loving kindness. Such expressions are not in the Bible. It always says that you keep loving kindness. That is, whatever you said in that covenant making, now loving kindness is you're keeping it, You're doing it, or another expression that's used so often is, he shows loving kindness, it's demonstrated. So it's it's not to do with feeling, although God's thoughts and feelings towards you 
uh, uh, 60 seconds in every minute of willing to do you good. But loving kindness means he doesn't only think it, he does it. He shows it. He keeps his word. And it says of loving kindness many times, if, if since last week you've looked in a concordance and found all the references to it in the Old Testament, you will find the expression, his loving kindness endures forever. And that, in certain parts of the scripture, is almost like a bell that tolls every few minutes. His loving kindness endures forever. The psalm has never got away from that. Which, which answers to until death. It answers to all the days of my life. There's never going to be a hiccup in this relationship. He's never going to be out of town. It's, it's his, you could say, his covenant love toward you never quits, never gives up, is divinely persistent. He is limitlessly stubborn. He will not stop loving you. He will not leave you. Can, can I say it any stronger? This loving kindness has been given to us through the supreme act of God's covenant making in Jesus Christ. When he said, it is finished, on the cross, this is what was finished. Love has achieved its end. And from here on out, you are going to walk in this and living this and never get over the wonder of it. Loving kindness. The way that God's love works out. And because of this foundation in covenant, let me say this, and, and one almost hesitates to say it, but you can expect this of God. It, it, it isn't the entitlement expectance. It isn't the, that, that person that just sneers at the world and puts out their hand and says, give me, you owe me. No, we can, no, no, no. We recognize God has given and he has given, and that humbles us and awes us almost to speechlessness to, to try, and I'm going through it right now, to, to try to bring to the forefront the fact that to honor the God, the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit for what has been done, to honor them, I expect what he has said to actually come to pass. You follow me? I can anticipate it. Or could I put it this way? This is not something for spiritual elites. This isn't something that just happens to those uh, super spiritual persons that fly into the meeting um, on unseen wings. You, you no, know, no. I'm talking, right now, I know that I am talking to Persons who feel in themselves insignificant, they feel probably no one in the Christian community would miss you if you were gone. And, and you feel very much at home in the word unworthy. Well, I hope that these few minutes we're spending together explodes that mindset. Because I am speaking to you, I've been speaking to you for the last few minutes. This is how God is toward you. And you, sitting in your little farmhouse there, can anticipate and expect your days and even your nights to be filled with this covenant-keeping, covenant-showing, enduring, persistent love who is our God? Well, if, if he has thus taken the initiative, if this is who he is and what he's done, what is there left for me? For me, what is left but to say amen? 
That is, uh, amen is a Hebrew word. It means, so be it. So be it. If you say this is who you are, if you say this is what you have done and this is what you will and desire, then I say, amen, let it be so. Or as the Virgin Mary taught us at the words of the angel, she said, be it unto me according to your word. It's beyond my comprehension, but if you say it, let it be so. That is trust. That's biblical faith. I I think by now you realize this word loving kindness is loaded with the ideas of assurance. Assurance. One of the most blessed words in the Christian vocabulary. To be assured. To know that God loves you and his loving kindness is working in your life whether you know it or not see it or not hear it or not but he never leaves you he's always there the word is loaded with another word a certainty you're assured you are certain because your faith is is in and based on the covenant oath of God himself, sealed in his own blood in Jesus Christ. And let me say this covers all of human existence. This isn't just the assurance that I'm going to go to heaven when I die, dear Lord. This this is the assurance and the certainty that heaven, the very being, the very what can I say, possessions of God have now invaded my earth, me. This covers all of human existence. So am I speaking about your need for care, your need for physical provision, your need for spiritual insight, wisdom, understanding, your need for wisdom in your mind. You you need guidance on your path in terms of what tomorrow holds. You need provisions in the refrigerator, clothes in the closet. You need protection from enemies. Am I talking about your daily work, your school, your being in the home? You see, am I talking about your physical body, your pains, your hurts, your sickness, your depression, your despair? The totality of human existence has been embraced and caught into loving kindness. He shares your life. And I say not with just a wish I could help you, but he is almighty strength, ability, love to do what he wants to do. And that, I said, the New Testament word for loving kindness is mercy. I personally think that's a rather unfortunate word in today's culture because We think more mercy, I'm a wretched sinner, I'm no good, have mercy on me. But it it is all that I've just said about loving kindness, only actually that New Testament words adds just a little bit of what? It would add tenderness. Um, But that would be included in, in that, the delight of a lover over the beloved, so tenderness, gentleness, It has the word sympathetic, compassion, which means he comes and steps inside my shoes and looks at my problems through my eyes. I think sometimes we have been taught that, uh, you know, because God is all power and, and he's love, then he's just going to wipe out all the wrong things in life and we're just going to live happily ever after. But what the scripture actually teaches is that he 
joins us in the middle of our life and he then assuring us of his love presence is the strength and the ability and the wisdom to walk through whatever is happening which is an entirely different situation but that is loving kindness so the loving kindness of God this is where you and I live who have trusted in Jesus this is life it's it's the life that Jesus spoke of, which is not mere what you might call natural life. It, it is that entrance of divine life into our natural life. So Jesus said, um, I am come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. And the actual word that he used on that occasion was zoe, Z-O-E, which is the Greek word for this divine life. And he says, I am the divine life. I am come that you might have that life and have it more abundantly. And, and, and so we, we're now living or living to the very full, or as we mentioned last week, your, your loving kindness is better than life. It's better than just being alive. We live right now. As I'm speaking and the clock on your wall is ticking, we now live in the now is loving kindness. Or as I mentioned before, another way of looking at loving kindness is that heaven has intersected with earth in your life. This is what I call the loving kindness factor. Whatever's happening in life, life is happening all around us, but it cannot ultimately reach my inner person because I am living in loving kindness. Loving kindness lives in me. He goes ahead of me. He's beside me. He's behind me. He's within me. We're held in loving kindness. And always the scripture speaks of loving kindness as abundant. Abundant. Which means spilling over the side. More than enough. And also affecting people that don't know what's happening because it spills over onto them. Okay. Loving kindness. But David said here, your loving kindness is before my eyes. And places that in a psalm which would suggest that is the heart of his faith. And you see, what I've just said here about loving kindness and have so tried to be personal and say this is for you, yet there are many Christians that live a very long way from experiencing this loving kindness, which I reiterate is indeed now at this moment surrounding you, pressing upon you, even as the air is pressing on you, how, how come that we don't even realize it? Well, tragically, we have been taught other in many cases. In many cases, the Christian God is not presented as a God of loving kindness. That, that would be used by the powers of darkness to blind many believers to what is their unbelievable inheritance. But I believe that if we know of God's love, if we know of loving kindness, then there's something here that we need to understand. Loving kindness always before my eyes. Now, right away, he's not speaking of these eyes because you can't see love. And so he's speaking of what the scripture speaks of, the eyes of the heart, those eyes with which you see the invisible, grasp the intangible, the eyes of your heart, those eyes that look upon 
upon what you perceive to be truth and therefore guide your life thereby. So, before my eyes, the expression. I mean, if, if I hold this pen before my eyes, then what, what am I doing? I'm holding of necessity. I have to hold a steady gaze to that. It, it, it is, for this moment, the subject of uh, supreme importance. And so it holds my gaze. And if you do that, you notice what happens. You are looking at the pen and it is sharp and clear in focus, but everything else has taken on a somewhat a fuzziness. It's out of focus because to hold something before my eyes places that something in focus and everything else goes slightly out of focus. That, that's it. David is saying that I hold your loving kindness. This, this, this love that you are, this love that has initiated covenant, this love that is with me in every second in loving kindness, I hold that in focus. And everything else in life is out of focus because this is my focus. And when this is my focus, everything else takes its right place. If I am to hold his loving kindness in focus, it's not only the reality of the present, but also it is a matter of never forgetting that is, always remembering all the track record of his loving kindness. Psalm 103, I'm sure you know that. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Forget not all his benefits. That is, to put it, it to translate that plainly, uh, forget not all his benefits. Do not leave his benefits to rot in the past memory, bring them into the center now and remember them. Let it sink in. This is your track record with God. This is what he has done in your life. This is how he has shown loving kindness. Don't, don't leave it back there into forgetfulness. Bring it into the present. Forget not all his benefits. Just take, take time. You might be doing other stuff, but take time to, Holy Spirit, open my eyes to remember all your goodness toward me, everything that you have done in me, everything you've done for me, everything you've done through me. Remember his loving kindness. And, and that is personal what he's done in you. But also remember, you and I, we are part of the people of God. And therefore, what he has done to the people of God and in the people of God down through history, that is our track record. In fact, can I dare to say this? Dare. That's a stupid thing to say. Um, of course, I'll say it. Uh, Loving kindness. Do you, do you know the first act of God's loving kindness? Read it, Psalm 136. It goes back to creation. Creation. The fact that he created, he didn't have to create, you know. He created the entire universe, specifically the earth, to be the platform, the stage, the arena in which he would put you and I in order to reveal his loving kindness in us and to us. And so his act of creating, his act of speaking the universe into being is called his enduring loving kindness. And then, of course, the exodus is placed under his 
loving kindness, that he delivered his people from all the demon gods of Egypt and from the hand of the slave master Pharaoh and led them through the Red Sea and provided them with manna and water from the rock and protected from enemies. And he goes on and says, and that was his loving kindness, that was his loving kindness, that was his loving kindness. So his loving kindness has not changed for God never changes and therefore this is the one who is with you at this very microsecond this is the loving kindness his loving kindness to individuals when uh, the servant of abraham went on mission from abraham he speaks of the loving kindness of god being his guide along the way in the most happenstances. So he happens to stop at a wellside and some girls happen to come and they were the very ones he was looking for who had no idea where they were. Uh, And he says, that was the loving kindness of God who guided my steps, right? I mean, you see, there's so much happened in our life that can often be dismissed as what a coincidence or something disappears out of your body and you go along with the doctor that says it was a misdiagnosis why not look for the loving kindness of God why not recognize that in the Bible there is no word for coincidence isn't that amazing there's no word in the Bible that resembles our English word coincidence because there are none his loving kindness guides you and opens doors and closes doors and his loving kindness heals you and give him the glory when he does remember his loving kindness and don't say coincidence and and don't don't listen to persons who are absolutely stubborn in refusing to believe or see or even think in terms of a miracle. No, just recognize the hand of God and give God glory. Remember, remember, you 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 see, it's before your eyes, and and, and let it be so. But if it's before your eyes, that is. Everything in life now keeps coming back. This is your north star by which you guide your boat across the sea. This is your compass. And, and, and don't, don't, don't be drawn aside. Keep coming back. His loving kindness is before your eyes. Your, your, your thoughts, the way you look at life, the way you understand life is all focused in his loving kindness toward you, in whom you live and move and have your being. So your reality is that this God, who is the one and only true God, is loving kindness in your life. Well, if I'm holding that truth before my eyes, then... I'm single-eyed. I'm single-minded. Remember that from Matthew's Gospel? What is it, chapter 6? If your eye be single. Do you remember that? If your eye be single, your whole body is full of light. He, he, it's the same thing. He set you before your eyes. You're not looking here and here and here and listening to that and looking at this. You have a single eye. Oh, this is one of the greatest secrets. I could take off for an hour on this. You see, so many people are double-eyed, double vision. It's a horrible thing, isn't it? I had it briefly for a while. It was a terrible thing, seeing two people here and two people. You can't walk straight with double vision. And yet people, oh dear, something happens. And it's the devil. It's the devil. And now I've got to call on God. As if God's over here, devil's over here. And, and, and your double vision between them. Would you relax? There aren't two gods. We don't believe in two gods. There is one God. The devil is not God's opposite. The devil 
by the scripture is a fallen angel and angels were created. He's a creature. There is only one God. When I would think in these terms, I see a vast sheet of white paper that glows with glory and that is God and way up there in the corner is a tiny little spot of black and that's the devil a a creature that has his limits you see do you you realize what I've just said if something happens in your life and and you admit you can't is this God is this the devil did God leave me and leave me with the devil look whatever happens in your life His loving kindness is before your eyes. Whatever happens in your life, he who is committed to you with covenant love is in you, with you, ahead of you, and behind you. And you will walk in this and through this in his strength and his wisdom, upheld by his strength. You understand me? God doesn't exit and leave you with the devil. His loving kindness is before your eyes. And you might be knocked off for a minute, but come back like you come back back to the compass north. It's, it's where it is. Yeah. David, when he was pursued by his son Absalom and life could not be worse. In fact, he anticipates the possibility of Absalom killing him. And he talks about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Remember that? But at the end of that psalm, verse 6, he says, and I'll quote it the way we have it, surely goodness and loving kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, okay, surely goodness and loving kindness... Of course, your old Bible say mercy, but we know now that's the same word as loving kindness. Loving kindness shall follow me all the days of my life, all the days of my life, even when Absalom is followed, chasing me, and and I've lost everything. They're, they're, They're part of the all days of my life. But he begins with the word surely, which is an old English word that means only, only goodness and loving kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. That is, he said, I see Absalom, but I see through Absalom to the greater truth that loving kindness is following me. Only that word follow is a weak way of translating the word. The word really would be better as relentlessly pursues me. It would use it of hunting dogs. The, the, so, only goodness, only loving kindness relentlessly pursues me in every possible day of my life. That's single vision. That's seeing loving kindness and not being distracted here and there. Um, or... or let, let me say, say this also, that um, loving kindness, that, that means that I am the beloved of God. Now, now, that means that I am walking with a sense of worth, not worth because of what I've done, not worth because you think I'm worthy, not worth because I think, uh, and as long as I think I'm a great person, I must be. No, this is true worth. It's divinely bestowed upon us. What is my worth as a human being primarily? It is that God created me and he created me to love me just as I am. And that love has exalted me to be his child. And that love cannot falter. And I hold it before my eyes so that I've got this word over here saying no one in their right mind could love you, and this one over here saying who do you think you are? And the the general consensus is I'm not worthy, and my flesh wants to agree with that, but I hold his loving kindness before my eyes. 
fixed. He defines my worth. He defines my worth. My preaching doesn't define my worth. How many of you are listening tonight does not define my worth. My worth is in what he says of me in his loving kindness toward me. You see, loving kindness is the ultimate expression of unconditional love. And all around me, every other voice speaks for conditional love. Unconditional love is that God loves me if my behavior would give him reason to. Right? That's what many people go to church every week to hear. That uh, your behavior this week has been abominable. And, and so now you've got to appropriately repent and try and get saved again so that God can start loving you again. And... um so it goes up and down, up and down, conditional, because it's all based on my behavior. And so, so it isn't that God is love, but rather I am good. And if I'm good, God is love. But if I'm not good, God's mad. And, and well, you can't have a relationship like that. Uh, in fact, if, if that person that they portray as God were my father, I, I would say that I have an abusive father. You know, that's a terrible kind of abuse that you never know what you're going to find when you go home. He might be standing at the door to fill your arms with gifts and to play with you, or he might stand there to give you the belt and you don't know why. That's abuse. But no, if I hold his loving kindness before me, are you getting the point? You're, you're holding it there. You're seeing it and you're saying this is the truth. Upon this rock that can never move, I build my life. And so I find my worth. It's with single eye. It's before me. There I find my worth. Because, see, the love of God is not something that's on the perimeters of our life. Rather, it's front and center. And therefore we can anticipate and expect him as, as life is happening. We're in continual relationship that in whatever is happening in life now, I live, yet not I. It's Christ who lives in me, who is the expression of the loving kindness of God. Loving kindness. So we're fixed. And that brings such rest. You don't have to think about it anymore as to whether God loves you. You don't have to think about it anymore as to whether you have the right to be in his presence and so on. So it, it, it's before your eyes. It's settled. And it's settled forever. The loving kindness of God is and is in your life now. And that results... In bold trust, bold trust, because you are who he says you are. And you are, and I'll use the word, daring to be who he says you are. And you have the worth and you rest and relax in that worth that he has bestowed upon you. It says in Deuteronomy that he brought you out of bondage that you might walk erect and no more like a slave bowed down. Yeah, that's loving kindness. And you can expect and anticipate his acts of loving kindness. You can expect in your day wonders, which is the Bible word for those things that only God can do. You can expect his protection. You can expect his provision. For you share a common purse with, with the Lord. Your bank account is one with his bank account. You can expect his guidance, all not in flashes of lightning and voices in the night, but in he, the nudges within and the opening of doors and, and seeing what others don't see. He guides you. 
And you do know that loving kindness means that you're surrounded by angels. You are protected more times than you'll ever know. Really, that's for sure. They're the secret agents of God. They don't announce themselves normally. And if they do, they look so normal, you think they're ordinary humans. But, I mean, I'm not talking about those silly things that you see in in pictures, all dressed in yellow lingerie and looking pathetic. No, I'm talking about God's strong angels. They're, They're with you. That's his loving kindness. It says angels, they are sent to minister to these heirs of salvation like you. And of course, this setting his loving kindness before me means that I, I learn, and I use that term, learn to see that in giving us Jesus, in the Father giving his Son, with him has freely given us all things. And so it speaks that we are heirs of God. Yes, you and I, we're heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And it speaks of us having access to the riches of his glory, which boiled down that we have access to all that God is in the same way that Jesus did and does have. Um, Yeah, that's a mouthful, isn't it? But that's loving kindness. It's God giving himself to us. Well, that changes my praying. Because if I'm asking in prayer for what is not mine, think about this carefully. If I am coming to pray for what I do not perceive is mine, then I'm coming as some wretched and embarrassed beggar I, I'm, I'm, I'm coming with cap in hand and I'm putting on all that silly religious humility and piety and I'm not worthy and all, oh, please God, just give me one more favor, you know, and only if it's your will, you know, all that stuff. That's not prayer. That, that's pride. That, that, that's religion at its worst. Prayer arises out of loving kindness. Loving kindness has given to us God himself to be in our life all that we need. So prayer now is asking for what is ours. Ours in Christ. Ours. Given to us by the blood of the everlasting covenant. And we honor the Father, we honor Jesus the Son, we honor the Holy Spirit, when we ask for what He says is ours. We're saying we dare to trust you, that this for which I ask you have made over to us in Jesus And so I boldly ask for it, not as a beggar, but as a son asking for a draw on the inheritance. That changes prayer. You see, that's that's what it means when you pray the Lord's Prayer and you say, hallowed be your name. That's a very ancient English way of saying your name be exalted above every other name. And it means I honor your name. I honor you for who you are by asking for that which you said you have given to me. And what he has given in Jesus Christ, let me say it again, it it, it spans everything from your innermost inner person through your mind and your emotions through the needs of your body, whether that be the healing of your organs and cells and nerves, or for the food to sustain it, or the clothes to wear, or the shelter, or the job to which you go. It's all there. 
It's, it's your body, your mind, your emotions, your spirit, your possessions. He says, your father knows when in any of those areas you have need, now come and ask. And in asking, you honor him, you are trusting him, and you are declaring your trust that he, did, he means it, and I'm asking. So I'm not asking with a whine. I'm not asking to try and manipulate and twist God's arm to get something. I'm not asking, hoping this time I'll win the divine lottery and he'll answer for no reason I can know why. But on the firm foundation of the covenant and by his loving kindness, we ask for that which he has initiated the giving. Set loving kindness before my eyes. You become what you look at. You become an image of the God you worship. As I give honor to the loving kindness of God, worship Him, stand in awe of His loving kindness. And as I see his acts of loving kindness, and as I learn this relationship to him who is loving kindness, it says the Holy Spirit sheds abroad, pours out into our heart the love of God. And Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. That is be loving kindness people even as you have received loving kindness and it says forgive one another even as God has forgiven you and that includes under that heading the putting away of all bitterness and revenge and envy and all the long list because that is no longer part of the life of a person who is centered in, integrated into God's loving kindness. You become a loving kindness giver. So you speak words that are filled with loving kindness, even though you don't use the word, even though you don't sound very much as if you are some minister, you're just an ordinary person, but the way you speak and the content of your speech is nothing but loving kindness. It's compassion. And you dare at the right time and opportunity to lay your hands on people who are hurting in mind and body and spirit and to actually impart to them the loving kindness of God. Yes, because you are the place where heaven intersects with earth. Well, I hope you've got something out of this. Um, it's a subject very close to my heart, and I might even extend it next week, maybe. Um, but at this time, I want to thank those of you that are what I've just in the last minute spoken about, that you have received of this message of loving kindness. And you in turn have sent your offerings which make this possible. Believe me, we are not underwritten. We are supported entirely by the gifts of God's people. And 90% of the time, it's people who have received this message, come alive within to the loving kindness of God and now want others to hear. And so right at this moment as I speak, we are being listened to in at least 66 to 70 countries of the world, this message tonight. And many, many thousands in that international audience will never have the means we're with to support, but those in this country, in the US, in Canada, in the UK, we had the means to shed loving kindness through the world. And many of you have begun to do that. And I thank you because this program is carried by such people. And if the Holy Spirit 
sparks the life of loving kindness in you and you desire to share it with the world along with us, send us your gift and we will thank God as we thank you. And now the blessing of God, who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, his richest blessing be with you to open the eyes of your understanding that you might know and gaze upon the hope to which you have been called and walk out your life this week in his loving kindness. So I bless you and declare that is the way it is. Amen. Malcolm Smith's ministry is dedicated to guiding believers into the reality of experiencing daily fellowship with the Father. This has been another message by Malcolm Smith. For more information and more teachings by Malcolm Smith, including a full catalog, please visit www.malcolmsmith.org.